0: Will you turn in your Bibles now to John chapter 12, verses 20 through 26? John chapter 12, verses 20 through 26. And as you're turning in your Bibles to that portion of Scripture, um, I have two messages left before I step down as the lead pastor Today's message and then next week's message, I am wanting to turn to my favorite book in Scripture, and that's the book of John. Um, I have a responsibility as a pastor, as a shepherd, primarily to tell others about Jesus, to proclaim the Word of God, tell others about Jesus, to preach Christ and Him crucified, To help people to come to know him as Lord and Savior, to be saved from their sins, and then to grow in him, to become disciples, being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. This is my greatest responsibility as a pastor, is to shepherd you, to tell you about Jesus, and as far as the Lord helps me and enables me and strengthens me, to have my own life model what I preach. The message that I'm going to be sharing today is more of a devotion style There are times when you'll hear messages from the pulpit that are more teaching, rich in theology. Our message that we heard last week was one such, great message reminding us, as Jared was uh, preaching last week, of the sovereignty of God, and that Jesus Christ is the true King of kings and the Lord of lords, and that nothing that happens in the world today that we go through as a church is going to change anything in terms of our relationship with God, that he is sovereign. We belong to him. All things are going to work out good for us, well for us, because he is sovereign. It was a message of tremendous comfort. This is a devotional message. We want to focus devotionally upon Jesus today. John chapter 12, starting in verse number 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks, Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this morning we want to see Jesus. And in seeing him and becoming like him, we want to bring glory and honor to you, Father. Holy Spirit, help us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of this message is, Sir, We Wish to See Jesus. Now, thankfully for me as a pastor... In the past two years, when we were teaching the children, pre-COVID, before many of the children uh, departed from us, we were teaching them through what was called the Jesus Storybook Bible. We were using films and a Bible with illustrations. Uh, The Bible took us from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and the children were learning to see Jesus in every book of the Bible, At the same time that that was going on, we had a Sunday school class for adults. And what was the theme of that adult Sunday school class? Jesus, as being seen in every book in Scripture. The title of the lesson was, Reading the Bible Through the Jesus Lens. When there are messages being prepared here, and there are worship services being prepared, the music that uh, myself and Maria uh, put together to uh, help us to worship is always rich in the Word of God and focusing on Jesus. The stained glass that you see behind you up there that's illuminated at this moment was... uh, one that went up there, oh, three and a half, four years ago. We were wondering whether we should even put such a thing up there. Are There are those in Christendom who think that we may be violating the second commandment, having an image of God in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We elected to go ahead with that particular one. Now, the image of Jesus for me as a pastor is a little bit white. It could have been a little darker. And there it is. Why is it there? Biggest reason? Well, the stained glass was donated to us many years ago. We decided to put that up. I wanted to tell you what led me as a pastor be attracted to that. It's because every time that I stand here in this pulpit, and I'm behind this pulpit, and I'm bringing the Word of God, I'm being reminded that my greatest responsibility as a pastor, as a shepherd, of the flock, is to make sure that you see Jesus, that you see Jesus. Now one day there's going to be a plaque behind this pulpit right here. There's a spot ready for a plaque to be made. Someone in this congregation is going to make it for us. And on that plaque are going to be these words, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. This episode here with Jesus and the Greeks coming to Philip and Andrew, wanting to see Jesus, takes place during Passover. Jesus Christ is about to lay down his life. The Greeks are coming, and they're coming to Philip. Because Philip has, perhaps this is why, he's got a Greek name. He's Jewish, but he's got a Greek name, and he comes from Bethsaida in Galilee, which was called Galilee of the Nations. It's a place where many people from all over the world would have interaction. There were a lot of roads that passed through Galilee from one land to another. Gentiles could be seen there. It seems that these Greeks were comfortable coming to Philip, and they want to see Jesus. Philip then goes to Andrew. The two of them were, looks like in Scripture, constantly bringing people to Jesus. Philip and Andrew. They look to make a connection for these Greeks with Jesus. This passage, brothers and sisters, is very dear to me. Very dear to me. Because for me, 36 years ago, I had a man from another country, Korea, who brought Jesus to us. And he had a man from another country, from the Dominican Republic, who was discipling Mr. Young, my taekwondo teacher. The man from the Dominican Republic encouraged Mr. Yang, to bring the class to Jesus, to make a connection with Jesus. And eventually, Mr. Yang, Mr. Hong tae Yang from Korea, was bold enough and courageous enough to share Jesus with us. And he said those words that marked my life for the rest of my life when Mr. Yang said, Jesus loves you. After I had given my life to Jesus Christ, turned to Jesus, cried out to Jesus, Lord Jesus, save me from my sins, shortly after I had heard those words, Jesus loves you, I took another 800 to 1,000 lessons there at that martial arts school. Every single lesson, 800 to 1,000 of them, every single martial art lesson ended with time in the Word of God, time in prayer, and Mr. Young, without fail, without fail, would share Jesus in the midst of that message. He did all he could to help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, and oh, how I love those days. I pray to God that this congregation loves these days that we're in. As together, we're keeping our eyes on Jesus, wanting to grow in him. Fundamentally, centrally speaking, the Christian life is about Christ. That's why Christ is in the word Christian It's about Christ. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's what we just said here this morning. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin which so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus The author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. From the beginning of our salvation, when we enter into eternal life, until we cross the finish line, we have been called to run this race of faith by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. This morning, let's gain a little bit more clarity, a little sharper focus. Let's get the cataracts out of our eyes. Let's remove the distractions that are keeping us from seeing Jesus. When we began salvation, when we possessed eternal life for the very first thing time, remember that when we possessed eternal life, we didn't possess a thing. We didn't possess a status. We possessed Jesus. It's because eternal life is in Jesus. The Bible in Romans 6.23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Where? In Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible says this, This is the verdict. God has given us eternal life. But that life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son of God has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And now that's about the fourth or fifth time I have said this in probably the last ten messages. And for many of you, this is sounding rather redundant. Pastor, why do you keep repeating this? It's because I want you to see Jesus. I want you to see Jesus. You know, many years ago, 25 years ago, there was an elderly lady that called me over to her house to have some coffee. She wanted to talk to me, so I went to her house to talked. She had an older son who was raised in the church, Christian Reformed Church. And the son walked away from the faith, wanted nothing to do with the church, became a drunkard. Family was struggling, and this went on for a long time. The mother was grieved deeply. While we were having coffee, she said, John, Do you believe in the covenant? I knew where she was going with that, and I agree that the covenant. In Christian Reformed Church, we talk about the covenant a lot. We're covenant people. Praise the Lord. It's a great theology, great doctrine, great reality, great truth. But she wanted to know if I believed in the covenant. And I had to gently remind her, saying, I believe that the covenant is good, and I affirm it, but I believe in Jesus. We've been called to put our faith into Jesus. This is where our trust lies. Our trust doesn't lie in the covenant. It lies in Jesus. Do you see where we have to have clarity in our vision? I want you to, the next time you recite the Apostles' Creed, like we just did today, would you notice how it goes, I believe in God the Father, and I believe in his Son, Christ Jesus. I believe in the Holy Spirit. You see that? I believe in the Father. I believe in Christ Jesus, his Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. But then when it switches to the church, I believe a holy Catholic church. I believe these things about, but you put your faith in God, in Christ, in the Holy Spirit. Many years ago, probably another 25, 26 years ago, that Taekwondo student belonged to a Pentecostal church. The wife of my student always thought I was such a really good guy, nice guy. But she said, I just wish he had Jesus. reason why she didn't think I had Jesus is because I couldn't speak in tongues. I don't speak in tongues to this day. It's not a matter of whether I agree that they exist today or not. That wasn't the point. And then one day, this mother had her daughter, at a very young age, run away with an over-the-road truck driver and was gone a long time, unmarried, just living this life together. The mom was reassured, though, about her daughter's status with Jesus Christ because her daughter could speak in tongues. And I couldn't speak in tongues. We want to see Jesus this morning. I want to see Jesus this morning. There are many people who have said the sinner's prayer. They have prayed. Praise the Lord that they have repented and turned their lives by faith to Jesus Christ and to God. If that is in fact what they have done. Because there are many people who are putting their faith in the prayer. In the fact that they said the sinner's prayer. And that can be the difference between heaven and hell. If you didn't put your faith in Jesus. The prayer is a vehicle. It's not salvation. It's the vehicle. And when folks live a life of sin... And they've chosen a life of sin, but they want to reassure themselves by saying, I said the prayer. Years ago, I was sharing Christ with a, a neighbor of ours. He's Roman Catholic. He was a concrete worker, Roman Catholic. He was a good neighbor. I asked him one day, I said, so-and-so, are you a Christian? And he said, no. No. I'm a Roman Catholic. Now, he was from another country. He was from Italy. And in his mind, when I was saying, are you a Christian, I could tell where he was going as I unfolded and talked with it. He was associating that with being a Protestant. But for him, when he said, no, I'm a Roman Catholic, As we talked, I could see that he was putting his confidence, his faith, and his trust in the fact that he was baptized as an infant, that he had had made his public profession of faith, that he had taken First Communion, and that he was going to Mass every single week. He was observing the traditions of the church. He was being obedient to the Mother Church. We haven't been called to put our faith in. In the church. We believe a holy Catholic church, but we don't put our faith in the church. We put our faith in Jesus. Are you seeing Jesus this morning? The covenant is good. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. If, if the Spirit indwells you and you have the gifts of the Spirit, it's all good. The prayer, the sinner's prayer is good. If you have a high esteem for the church, the very body of Christ, it's all good. But when it comes to being saved, God suffers no idols. He suffers no rivals. Are you seeing Jesus this morning? I want to ask all of us here today, whether you've been raised in the church from the cradle or not, has there ever been a time when you have addressed Jesus himself, called upon Jesus himself, and said, Lord Jesus, Jesus, you are my Lord. I am trusting you. I am trusting you as my Lord and Savior. What you did on the cross, my life is yours. I mean a really a personal conversation with Jesus Christ by faith. It's very easy to learn a lot of right things about Jesus, who he is. But to miss a divine saving encounter with Jesus Christ. If you're not sure. And if this message ends up going out on tape. or If you're listening. People who are listening in on this. Have you cried out to Jesus? Lord Jesus, save me from my sin. Lord Jesus, I trust you. I do trust you, Jesus. And once you have. Once you've laid your eyes upon Jesus, once you have obeyed him, when he said to you, he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. When you have obeyed what the scripture says, when it says, look unto me, all the earth, and be ye saved. Once you've come to that place where you have laid your eyes savingly upon Jesus Christ and have come to know him and have entered into eternal life, keep your eyes on Jesus. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, keeping your eyes on Jesus. Read your Bible, the living word of God. Worship like you're doing here today Keep your eyes on Jesus every day in every area of life. Serve him. Enjoy all of your life with Jesus. In your work, while you're walking, while you're talking, in your hobbies. Jesus. He is your treasure. He is the pearl of great price. He is the son of God. Jesus is life itself. He is life itself. And your soul Let it be filled with his presence, with his love for you. You're going to go through high points in life and low points, and so will I. No matter what you go through, when your eyes are on Jesus and you're aware of his presence within you, you're aware of his presence above you, his spirit dwells within you, fellowshipping with your spirit, giving you that rich treasure here, and you're seeing above by faith, him at the right hand of the throne of God. Thank him. Find your contentment in him, your fullness in him. Because the true treasure in life is Jesus. And he said, I am with you always. I will never leave you nor forsake you, even when your steps falter. Brothers and sisters, sometimes during this race that we're on, we're going to suffer Sometimes we're going to face fatigue. Sometimes we're going to get tired. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And here's what he's going to say. Come away with me to a quiet place and get some rest. Come with me to the green pastures. Come with me by the still waters. Come with me, child. And I will restore your soul. Keep your eyes on me. I'm the good shepherd. Sometimes you're going to face temptations, deep temptations, and you're going to get distracted by the appetites of your flesh and perhaps even addictions. You're going to be drawn to things. You're going to think you need more. You need more. you got to have this. If I could just have this, then I'd be settled. Then I'd be content. I won't ask for anything more. But you are looking for more. And the pride and the flaming darts are going to come at you as you're racing this race with Jesus Christ. They're going to come at you. But by faith, remember who you are in Christ Christ is alive in you. Put up the shield of faith. Christ is with you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and pray when those temptations come, when those images are before you, when the desires are before you. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Pray. But pray and make sure that you see him because even in your prayers, saints of the Lord, I know it. I've experienced it. Sometimes the images that you have that are afflicting you are there almost as prevalent as Jesus. You can spend a whole half hour on your knees in an attitude of prayer, but your thoughts are on all the problems, they're on all the temptations, and these images of things you want are hitting you, and you're not even seeing Jesus. Keep praying until you really see his face. Golf's going on today, the U.S. Open. They're going to always talk about, oh, he plays, he plays like he's in the moment. He's not worried about whether he's going to win or He's in the moment as he's hitting that shot. We're called to live in the moment with Jesus. See him. A real prayer is when you and Jesus are seeing each other by faith. You're seeing him by faith. He sees you. He doesn't need faith to see you. You do. You're in the moment. Pray, see his face. And the more you see Jesus, the more your eyes on Jesus, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Sometimes you're going to hit low points in life, saints and Lord, sadness, depression. Some of you are going to fight off anxieties. You're having a hard time going on, taking another step. Will you take a look at Jesus though? In the same way you cried out to Jesus to save you, or being raised in the church, you are just making sure, being reassured in your life that you are trusting Jesus. Will you look at Jesus and will you cry out, help me Jesus? Can I tell you what happens when you take that step of crying out to Jesus when you yourself can't take another step physically? You can't go on. You cry out to Jesus. Jesus will carry you like a Marine carrying a fallen soldier. Or in gentler terms, it's what's reflected in that stained glass that's behind you. When you can't take another step or you're struggling deeply, you cry out to him, help me, Jesus. He will gather you up like he gathers up a little lamb, and he'll hold you close to the heart until you have the strength to walk on your own with him by your side. My father-in-law, before he passed, I found out that his favorite poem was Footprints in the Sand. He was a big football player, you have to know. My father-in-law, Hank, You like footprints in the sand. When you only see one set of footprints in the sand, it was then that I carried you. Sometimes you're going to fight discouragement. You're going to feel in your service to the Lord you're not effective. You're not making any difference in your service. The numbers of people that you're ministering to are decreasing. It seems like so few respond to your ministry. You may feel like you're not respected, not appreciated. You're facing increasing opposition. Saints in the Lord, don't quit. No, don't quit. You look to Jesus. See Jesus. Because remember that what we're doing in the Lord, all of you that are wanting to serve, all of us that are here today who are wanting to say thank you to God by serving, we're serving Him preeminently. Whatever we do, let us do it unto the Lord. Not for men. And besides, you have no idea what kind of difference you're making as you serve. Whether it's one person in front of you or 500, you have no idea. I've been around long enough, I've known a lot of pastors. There were two pastors that were particularly important to me. One was my favorite pastor of all time that I've had. But I saw him at a time in his life when he was struggling. Because in his ministry, after he had been ministering for two or three years at the place where he was pastoring... The congregation was getting smaller and smaller, and he was tempted to quit, to retire. He was older, to retire. I encouraged him to keep going a little longer. Thankfully, he did. And at the same time, he took me under the wing and began to teach me theology, things that I hadn't been exposed to because I never had a chance to go to seminary. I didn't have a chance to go to Bible colleges. He became my professor, and he taught me. And over time, I've got to understand the richness and the beauty of Reformed theology. This is a Reformed church, Christ-centered, Bible, foundation, but it's a Reformed church. I'm here now as a Reformed pastor, preaching Jesus, preaching the Word of God, because of the work of that man. I was his only student. Was it worth it? You don't know. You haven't crossed the finish line yet. But it's worth it. I'm going to tell you, you're going to be stunned someday when you get there. When you see the number of lives that were impacted because you were faithful, because you shared Jesus, because you kept your eyes on Jesus and you didn't quit. Don't quit. The little secret that I had when I was taking martial art classes, there were days when I was taking the classes, I was so tired We began every single one of our martial art classes running around that gymnasium 10 times, 10 times one direction, 10 times the other. That's how we started. Then we stretched. And some days I was just so tired. My bones were tired. I found something that was like not a trick, but it was a little secret, what I would do before those classes. I share this with you, I share this with you because I do believe it may encourage you. And here's what I began to do before every class when I was tired. I would imagine that I saw Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. I could see him hanging on the cross, and he was alive. Arms outspread, and his eyes were looking at me. Eyes of love, and I saw his suffering, and I saw his love. What made me even think of that particular image? Well, at around that same time, a favorite song of mine, a hymn song, still is one of my favorites to this day, when I survey the wondrous cross. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Isaac Watts saw Jesus hanging on the cross, loving him, suffering for him. Don't quit. One day you're going to see him face to face and you're going to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not only will it be worth it, it will be doubly worth it. This is Father's Day, brothers and sisters, Father's Day. We have a Father in heaven and (laughs) how he loves us He gave his one and only son, his beloved son. And in Jesus, we have everything. On this Father's Day, we give gifts. We make macaroni and cheese. What can we give our Father in heaven? What can we give him? It's any kind of adequate response to what he has given us in love, in Jesus. What can we give to please him and to honor him? Well, our passage here says, whoever loves life loses it, but whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, look at what it says, the Father will honor him. You want to honor God? God? And give him something as your Father in heaven that would please him, honor him. Give him your life. Serve him, serve Jesus. Tell others about Jesus. There are lives that are at stake, lots of lost souls. There are a lot of Greeks, Gentiles, Give him your all. He gave you his all. He gave you his all. Now we'll honor him. And the Bible says this those who honor him, he will honor. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. I leave you three phrases to encourage you to close this message. One of them goes back 150 years ago, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. This is his quote. Pastor Spurgeon said, You will never know the fullness of Christ until you know the emptiness of everything but Christ. King David said nearly 3,000 years ago, One thing I have asked of the Lord. This is what I seek that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of him in his temple. And then some 1,400 years ago, a poem was written, a song. Be thou my vision. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, Thy presence my light. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only first be in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure, thou art. High King of heaven, my victory won. May I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, Still be my vision, O ruler of all. Let's pray. Father, this is Father's Day. And we're particularly remembering you today. We want to please you today. We want to honor you today. We've made an appeal to you that you would help us to see Jesus more clearly, more purely, more nearly, We want to see Jesus. Help us, Father. You're the giver of good gifts. Give us that gift, too. Help us to see Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.